0: We are live here with Jess and Josh from Seed Club, friends of the show, the dynamic duo.
1: We've done this before, right? All three of us,
2: like a month ago, month and a half, Ooh, two months. What us. is time? What is time though? I have no idea.
1: We've well, made big moves since we shot last chase.
0: Yes, I'm excited. I feel like it's all. It's always about the consumers, though. The one thing that doesn't change is the the consumer bullishness on Seed Club. So. New theses, maybe, but same same people. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to chat. I feel like we've had enough of these where you shouldn't need to give background on who the hell you are and why you're here, but maybe just for old times' sake, we'll run it back. Um, maybe we'll go Josh and then Jess.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Keep it keep it super quick. So spent spent ten years in Web two building consumer startups, uh, ranging from like direct to consumer. Candle companies, where I was driving around Montreal in a camper van delivering candles to, to Hopper, which you know is a four billion dollar company that I was an early employee at and spent spent five years at. So kind of had ran the gamut on on the the Web two startup experiences and have been in been crypto for maybe four years now and and Seed Club for I think two and a half three.
1: What is time? <laughs> there was the time before Josh showed up, and then. <laughs> eons afterwards. Mm. Uh, hello folks, my name's Jess. I have the pleasure of starting C-Club in 2020 and been kicking in and around the space for a number of years before that. But yeah, I think I think I don't think our thesis has changed too much, Chase. We're just fascinated with uh, the other types of value that get created on the internet that are not captured and have you know been early into social tokens, which are having a renaissance right now and NFTs and DAOs and I think we, we look at consumer as like the the right meta category to bundle all that interest up in there's clearly more value being created that um on the internet than than what's captured by the creators there, using that term very broadly. And that's been the thing we've been running at from day one and I think continue to run at today.
0: Yeah. I guess uh I guess really my my thinking around the way that Seed Club evolves with consumers is much more that, you know, as we see new experiments come. To fruition, we start to. I feel like kind of as an industry, refine what consumer crypto might look like. And since last time we chatted, I think quite a few experiments have been launched. The sort of, sort of top of mind being FrenTech, but lots of others as well. Um, so I'm very excited to talk about Cohort Six for Seed Club, um, but also just like you know more broadly how you guys are thinking about consumer now, um, because I think there are some things that that have evolved since we last chatted. So um, maybe to start, you can give a little bit of context on. Uh, cohort six, high level, how you're feeling, and then we can dive into some of the the sort of common themes that we're seeing among some of these these companies and projects.
2: Yeah, sounds good. I can start, and just you can fill in the gap. So we're we're like two and a half months into the three month program, so near in the end, demo day is coming up in two weeks, which everyone needs to attend. Um, but yeah, it's been, you know, it, it's a wild time to be building in crypto, right? Like the the macro environment is obviously horrible you know, Twitter sentiment is horrible, NFT volume is horrible. But then also you look at, you look at some of these, like the, these new tech stacks that are emerging and it's just like such an exciting time to actually be, be building in consumer crypto. So I think we've, you know, we've had just the kind of constant up, ups and downs of, of startup building. And then you, you kind of layer on all the, you know, confusing additions that, that crypto brings. And it's just been a, yeah, wild two and a half months with, with these projects. So we, we ended up selecting 10, kind of all pushing on, um, yeah, interesting and weird edges of consumer crypto. This isn't kind of your, you know, traditional looking DeFi projects or, you know, DAO tooling projects. These are, you know, consumer through and through building character brands, building something we're starting to coin called attention networks. That is probably for another conversation. Maybe we'll touch on it later. Um, but yeah. So been, been generally a wild two and a half months, really excited to put the 10 projects in front of, you know, the thousands of people that are signed up to come to, to demo day.
1: Yeah. I think zooming out a little, we just really, you know, at the beginning of, of this year saw this sort of weird mismatch that existed out there, which was that most investors were fleeing to this, you know, presumed safety of building more infrastructure. So money was going into, uh, more infra, uh, and and was sort of not going into many of the sort of more i guess consumer facing ex- experiments projects uh, companies that we saw over the last maybe 18 months um and when we talked to builders they were obviously frustrated with this but i think what's more notable is that they felt that the world never looked better for building consumer experiences in in crypto you know the infrastructure had never been better uh, there had never been sort of the number of users and people interested in the space and had sort of the cultural reach that it had in the past and so, you know, what we're hearing from builders is that they had the tools to go do interesting things, but that the, the maybe the interest from the money wasn't quite there. Um, and, you know, I think infrastructure is incredibly important. It's it's, you know, the, the reason C club exists day one was because there was these new tools that we could go and put together that didn't require building our entire new blockchain. Um, but I think a lot of the the stuff that's been worked on in infrastructure in the last while, um, probably like most spaces are, are maybe more evolutions rather than, than major leaps forward. Um, so I think we're really, we, we saw a mismatch between builders and money. We saw an opportunity to, to step in there and to say, Hey, we have deep belief in this stuff and and we believe we can find some incredible teams who are pushing it at new and novel edges. Um, and we're in a position to be able to back them. So it seemed like a, a no brainer for us when we saw Talented people, big visions, and um, you know the tools to enable them to go build towards it. So we had nearly 300 applicants to the SEO Six batch, and and chose 10. And I think what's interesting from that experience is, you know, you get to see a wide selection of the visions people have out there in the space, and out of that selection process, a, a few themes emerged that, um, yeah, we think are are powerful, and that we have um, great talent building towards and um yeah i think there's a lot a lot of questions in the the short to medium term but there's no doubt that we have 10 teams of incredible builders with big visions and over the last two and a half months we've seen them just run at it very very hard and very excited to, to see or to to, to open the doors and, and let other people see what we've been seeing for the last few months. Um, but really to, m- mostly interested in seeing how the the market sort of evolve over the next little while with what these builders sort of pushing at their own edges.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it, it's interesting definitely to watch the the move towards infrastructure, even in my own thinking, like I've done a lot of focusing on infrastructure. I think part of it is just like it's a battle to constantly feel like we're trying to get to product market fit with consumer. And there are so many shots that are be taking, being taken and so many that miss just because that's the nature of consumer. Whereas it feels like sometimes infrastructure is easier to get to PMF in a weird way in crypto. Um, but I'm really excited that Seed Club is continuing to double down on consumer. I think that's really important. Josh, you hinted at something which I don't know if you intended to talk about, but I'm interested. So I got to ask about it. What are attention networks? As soon as
2: I said it, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh shit, this is not <laughs> a, a, a fully formed thesis yet. But I think the, Jess, go ahead. Well, I, I, I want to leave a,
1: a bit of a tease here. Cause okay. I think the, uh, I'll let Josh introduce the, the concept a little bit. Cause I think it's, it's a very simple one at, at the high level, but it's also something that's consumed a lot of our, um, yeah, mental bandwidth over the last little while. Uh, I think uh, there, there's, such a power in being able to to name a thing and to provide context to a thing. And I think we've been um, just as a space circling around the, the right language to be able to talk about and and frame the opportunity that I think so many of us see. It's sort of this intersection between, you know, how value is created on the internet today and, and the potential for crypto rails to be incredibly useful in scaling the distribution and creation of that value. Um, so... I know it's been top of mind for Josh, and I think his statement earlier of like this is a longer conversation. It's in part because it is a longer conversation, and also in part because I think there's still a few pieces to to the, to our thinking here that are are needed to really have a, a useful conversation around it. High level, Josh, why don't you introduce the?
2: Yeah, I think it, at the highest level, it, it, it's really just like recognizing that ultimately in today's world, today's internet, like everything is downstream of a downstream of attention, and we see just so many people in Web two like capitalizing on that, on that, right? We have, you know, Mr. Beast, you have organizations to like work week popping up. You have just countless examples of people who have immense attention, but then are having to, you know, monetize that or capture that value in just really like kind of adjacent and like brute force ways. So I think like the an interesting like thought experiment there is do you like, do you really think the true value of the Mr. Beast network and the true value of the, those, this like subculture that he, and habits is captured through like selling ads and chocolate bars. Like, of, of course, it's not right. And I think ultimately, we think that tokens can be this incredible tool to just much more efficiently capture that, 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 that attention, the value of that attention, and use it in ways that ultimately like help, help the broad network, um, continue to propagate its mission or reason for existing. So, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot in there that you know, we'll poke words to and would love to come on in another month and talk about it.
0: Yes, we will definitely have to to open that can of worms when when you decide to publish more on it. But I feel like a lot of this is very related to what seems to be a theme of this cohort, which is sort of how we think about um, social and what that looks like on chain. Um, you had a really interesting kind of like high level theme that, that was written about in the in the, um, cohort six piece, which was this idea that on-chain media is social media. I feel like everyone has the on-chain takes. I think on-chain media equating it to social media is certainly something that feels a little bit different. And so I'm curious what the, the thinking behind this, this sort of thesis is.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's just recognizing the importance of social context to, to everything in crypto, right? Like our our thesis around which we talked about last time we were on here around how everything in crypto is ultimately consumer. DAOs are ultimately consumer products. The this so much of if you look at on chain transactions or the things that people do on chain, so much of it is for for inherently social reasons, right? Of course, there's you know just kind of pure speculative activity, but you know the majority of collecting on Zora is for social reasons, whether that's supporting someone that you care about and like, or you want to, you know, status signal by, by collecting that thing. And I think actually interface, one of our, uh, the projects in this cohort really hammered it home by simply, you know, building a mobile feed that just shows the on-chain transactions of the people that you follow. It instantly just felt, it felt like social media, it felt social. And I think that, that kind of just like really, made that that core idea clear. And there are a few other projects um, in the batch that are also pushing on that idea.
0: Yeah, I think something that I've been thinking a lot about, which kind of ties into another point that you had, but also I think is very related to this idea of um, you know having on-chain social feeds and being able to consume what's going on, is... I feel like Web2 does a really good job creating consumption experiences. And I can't really figure out if if Web2 uh, social is putting creators first or consumers first. Like this is something that I can't quite decide on what I think. And maybe the answer and likely the answer is, you know, it's complicated and it's not one or the other. But like when I think about what it means to build on-chain social, I kind of wonder if we've been way too focused on Active participation and not focused enough on consumption. I'm curious where that lands for you guys, and and if that aligns with what you've seen. If you think that's totally wrong, yeah, I'm curious if that if you have any thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I think I I very much agree. Like, it, I think the thing separating us from collecting being this kind of ubiquitous consumer behavior on the internet is having meaningful social contexts where you know. NFTs and and on-chain assets are like first-party citizens, right? The collecting experience today is so often you collect it ends up in your wallet, you forget about it. Maybe you put it use it as your PFP, but it just kind of disappears after that. And that's that's not why you collected. You collected be, for inherently social reasons and being able to actually hang out on the internet in context with these things that clearly add so much color to like our our online identity. I think it's going to be core to actually you know making my my friends who don't at all care about decentralization or crypto understand why, why they may want to actually collect something.
0: Yeah. Well, and I even think like, part of me wonders in the context of identity, because I feel like a lot of the collecting conversation has been around identity thus far, which makes a ton of sense. Um, And I think that's the whole like on-chain media is social media. Like part of the reason that you collect something is because it's sort of an interaction between you and the creator or because it's signaling identity the weird thing that I'm trying to reconcile is that like when I use TikTok, I I actually don't want anyone to consume what my likes, you know, I don't want any of my actions to be like I want to be a pure consumer in the same way that I use Netflix or HBO. And so I'm curious from that perspective, like how you guys are thinking about consumption, because, you know, one of the things you call out in in this um, sort of, like, write-up of of some of the the projects that are in Cohort 6 is, like, creator superpowers, which I think makes a ton of sense if we can get into that. But, like, what about consumer superpowers? What does it mean to just be, like, a total vegetable in a Web3 world? And when I say vegetable, I mean, like, I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just sort of passively taking it all in.
1: I mean, I think there's, like, a, a broader trend here that that suggests that maybe maybe we have enough of that and that we're looking for something more i think you know the Mm. the era of these sort of um you know the broad broadcast huge networks is fairly well entrenched and and yet i think the consumption behaviors we see there is actually leading to more fragmentation across the longer tail so yes tiktok or instagram or youtube great at at claiming it minutes, hours of attention from from people on a, on a regular basis. And I think, you know, we've always looked at those channels as really great distribution channels. And clearly that's how so much of the the narratives of, of sort of Web3 and crypto have gotten out. Uh, and at the same time, I think most of the deeper connection and interaction is, is fragmented out into small group chats, discord, slacks, friend tech rooms. Um, and so I think there's, uh, you know, if, if we were to look at the social network or social media landscape five years ago, um, it probably didn't look super appealing because there you needed to kind of be the big network that could wall all, all the people in their garden so you can, you know, profit from, from the attention that's there. I think what we're seeing now is that there's, you know, a hint that smaller um, type of experiences can be very valuable, both in a, in a practical sense and, um, for their users, but also from in a, in a financial sense. So I, I think like, you know could, could there be this broad consumption behavior around uh, a token network for sure and i think looking at um you know i think that the, the fruitful place is actually looking at the intersection between play and between work and i think that's actually the the playing field here um i'm not super excited about the idea of trying to run at Facebook or YouTube and, and build a decentralized competitor with token networks I think there's a lot of barriers to that happening um, but I am pretty excited about this this sort of third space that I think a consumer can kind of come and play in and live between the you know consumption or participation values that are maybe a lot less effortful and also having the opportunity or the option which doesn't exist in, in the vast majority of social networks today to be a more active, value creator in those networks. So I'm not sure running at a purely consumptive experience in crypto is is the thing. There's there's sort of a, a higher degree of engagement and interaction and, and also a higher degree of potential for value for the user here. And I think that's really where the opportunity lies.
0: Interesting.
2: For sure. I do think a lot of it's just how, how nascent these platforms are too, right? Like inherently when we're in this very experimental stage, the, the con- consumptive experiences are just way less interesting than the consumptive experience you can go have on TikTok or or Twitter. So like if you're if you're on any web3 product, you're probably not there to just like mindlessly scroll. There are way better places to do that. Well, but I think like at yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I think look at look at some of like the look at so rare or top shot. I'd say those are the closest to consumptive type experiences. Um, but there's still clearly like a, a bunch of engagement that's happening there. There's a game being played um you know i think there's games being played in in social media as well right it's just that those games are attention and reach and you know there's um yeah a a big enough reason to go participate there because that that value exists but i think we have many more games to design in in consumer social and i think crypto i mean to to me that's the most exciting thing right There, there are these new potential mechanisms for value creation that exist in the web three space we'll see which ones are, are enduring and, and create lasting value but at the very least we're running at new interesting opportunities rather than the sort of the the very thin games that exist today
2: yeah i think it, at steady state friend tech is probably a very consumptive experience it, they're like 99 most people won't have rooms on front tech if front tech works it's going to be the top creators people are probably going to be in there just seeing the interesting conversations that are have happening in these like this, like closed room. And I think it's a big part of our longer term DAO thesis too, is that the majority of DAO participants ultimately are there to consume or like participate in, in very light ways that certainly don't feel like work. They feel like you're using a product and having a fun experience. And um, yeah, so I think, I think a lot of it is just the the state of the tech and the, the product experiences.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned Frontech, of course. That's sort of the topic du jour for uh, for everyone thinking about Good web social. Very nice friend. <laughs> um, I think the something that comes to mind for me around front tech that I have sort of uh, thought since it came out is basically like it is one of the few net new social experiences. Like, frankly, I'm not super excited about um, kind of what you guys were alluding to, which is like web three versions of existing web two social platforms like i think for the most part um you know there are really amazing teams working on these things and i hope eventually they're they get outside of the box of like basically doing a very similar mechanism to what we have in web two um but i think what's interesting about frontech is just that it feels net new obviously you guys have seen a ton of projects um in having like hundreds of applications for seed club and also in just working more closely with the projects that you do have in this cohort I'm curious what other interesting sort of uh, Web three social, or well, I'll call it on chain, because apparently we're not using Web three as a term anymore, on chain social uh, mechanisms you're seeing like bubble up or are feeling excited about. Like, what else is out there outside of Tech Basically,
2: yeah, it's a it's a great question. I is think we
0: anything have... out there outside of tech Is perhaps another way to ask
2: that question. There's a t- there's a ton that's out there. I think FriendTech is definitely gonna in they've, they've they've discovered or stumbled onto this new stack that I think is gonna unlock an explosion and experimentation. So I think we're gonna see increasingly going forward it a, a lot. We're gonna have a lot more to point to. Um, but we do we have a lot in our in this current cohort that I think are really interesting and novel consumer experiences that feel nothing. Probably you could call them social like social consumer social, but look nothing like Web2 platform. So we have a project called Sofamon, which is a hard to describe, but basically a browser extension that is a wallet interface that sits in your browser. It's this cute little bunny and reacts to all of your on-chain interactions. If a friend sends you tokens, if something happens in your wallet, it reacts. Your friend can jump onto your screen and you know slap you if you did something dumb. On chain, um, so they're they're building this kind of completely new social layer, you know, to on chain experiences. We have a few projects that are also um, kind of pushing on, you know, Toby's thesis that he out- outlined in Life After Lifestyle, where you know really focus on building this this kind of lifestyle culture layer and then launching like more ephemeral, whether those are ephemeral product experiences, ephemeral like IRL experiences ephemeral art installations into that subculture to really like en- enrich that that social context and make it make it fun to be there um so that's patrick's thing that he hasn't announced yet um finney's a part of that uh slow rodeo they're building kind of this like brand network so yeah maybe those are four jess i don't know if you have any to add
1: yeah i think the i so the unique thing about Frentech is it's it's not really net new right like it it's the a series of other experiments that i think they've learned from so we can go all the way back to to roll and rally the early days of social media to, you know friends for sale it's um i think packaged up in a very innovative way that i agree with josh is going to sort of spark i mean we're already seeing you know a lot of experimentation with this idea that people are going to bridge into my app experience and i'm going to have be able to deliver a, an app like experience free from some of the the app store limitations um and and with a, a meaningful improvement on on user experience and i think what they've done very well is is that it's a very clear and easy to understand game that's actually distributing value back to people in in a pretty innovative way so i think you know what we we see in in that vein there's a ton of teams that are are building in that direction that i don't think we we don't have any Intimate knowledge around, but I think we're starting to see that sort of experimentation phase kick off. Um, I think what we're seeing in um, in our spaces, there's either like lessons learned from previous attempts at NFTs and and a orthogonal approach to either going to market or to the structure of, of these networks that I think will it's definitely informed by some of the learnings over the last 18 months uh, or two years, but will lead in, into net new spaces. So, um, Send Space is a team. Uh, veterans of the tokyo streetwear scene um incredible so cool there's just they're very so much more cool than than we are here on this call um (laughs) and what they're doing is, is they're they're being very methodical in building their core community of creators by um well knowing who's cool which is, I think, challenge number one, especially in <laughs> a the, skill. In the we're seeing most the Tokyo. people in
0: crypto lack that skill.
1: <laughs> yes, and then and two, you know, not running at the 10k PFP, not running at the speculation side, but using these NFTs as a way of like really bringing those creators into this world of sense space. So each NFT is a soulbound token, but more importantly, each one is a character and a world that is designed specifically for that creator. So if you look at where where they are today, they have a handful of creators and a handful of characters and they sold out of their first drop. But really, it's this compounding benefits of saying, okay, the core of our community are these creative people who really, for the most part, don't want to have anything to do with NFTs. It's not their their driving sort of focus. But by gifting them this you cannot buy um, type of of token and, and world and character, all of a sudden, they're they're in it and they're bought in and they're collaborating with others in the network and it's you start to see the compounding effects of that even over the last two months that we've been working with the team and so I think there's you know this idea of the core asset being a thing that really ties somebody ties a group of people together but speculation isn't the core um, incentive there I think it's going to lead to to new interesting opportunities um, and and we're seeing the early stages of that. Already, and um, you know, also important to know there's a much wider world out there in in the land of crypto than than the West or North America. And uh, I think some some interesting things will will emerge from that. The other one is is pods. Um, you know, it's uh, podcast NFTs. I think like the, it's it's sort of a a natural carry on from seeing what's happening in music or other types of media to think that there's an opportunity to uh, use NFTs within the relationship dynamic of a, a creator and, a, and an audience member in. Uh, in, in in the podcast area, and, and there's a bunch of reasons why it's it's maybe more useful than many of the or, or more effective potentially than many of the other types of, of uh, media that we put up there. Specifically, the relationship that you have with your audience and and the ability to create collectability around it. Um, so I think that's like a, a very direct example of like we see an opportunity um, to help creators and fans sort of uh, collaborate in new ways using these tokens as as sort of the coordination mechanism. Um, And I think you create new surface area for experimentation there. So is that the end state of what podcast NFTs look like? Probably not. There's a lot of interesting things done with with metadata and with some of the new streaming apps. And you start to see some of these these building blocks that I think could get put together in interesting ways. But at at the core, I think is this novelty around what a token can be used for and how it can can bring people together, coordinate people and, and create value together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what stands out to me about some of the examples that you that you're touching on, I think Frontech is a great example of this, but I think SenseSpace is another good example. Um, in some ways, some of the Pods uh, stuff is a good example of this as well. I've been thinking a lot about basically. I think that like consumer crypto kind of needs to be opinionated. Like as much as building blocks are important and need to exist. My current thesis is kind of that we've over-indexed on composability and interoperability between consumer applications, and that basically just, like, has created consumer experiences that don't provide, like, the exciting aha moment because we're just like, well, people will figure it out. Like, we'll, we'll put these individual pieces together. And if you're a trader in DeFi, for example, or you're trying to do some ARB thing, like, all you really care about is that Uniswap works and then that you can string that together with something else. Like your entire job is basically to figure out what other people aren't seeing. Whereas in consumer crypto, that's certainly not the case at the application level. Like maybe the meta game that Frontech is, is playing is figure out what other people aren't seeing. But that's very different from being like, okay, I see that people have social tokens and I also see that those are trading on Uniswap. So I'm going to do this ARB, you know, like there's there's definitely something interesting there for me and so I'm curious where you guys sort of stand at this moment on composability versus really i guess composability might not be the right word but like basically very opinionated applications versus applications that give users a ton of choice and what that trade-off looks like
1: yeah I think we haven't I, so far the the consumer experience in crypto is about Yeah, chaining a bunch of different things together to to get to an end and you know if you look at at frentech versus the previous version of that which is a telegram chat with that was token gated um i think yeah you see sort of see the differences there I, i think there's i mean we're very excited about this this new meta of um you know designing a complete experience that gets a user to an aha moment and I think the, this idea of, of creating a compelling experience that people want to bridge into and that they're acting within this sort of, you know, they're, they're, this specific network or application that is driving the, the full sense of achievement and, and emotional resonance, I think is, is new and exciting. And um, I think, you know, even as Josh mentioned, in our last conversation around DAOs being a, a consumer product, I think a big part of that thesis is that these, DAOs will become more like applications that make it very clear and easy for somebody to get value from it and to provide value to it, and I think Fintech is just a, a great example of that. You know, so I, I think there's there's room for both, right? That that some consumer experiences the composability is is going to be key, and and I would argue actually we're seeing the next wave of innovation happening on Frentech because of that composability. I think Unibot came out with a Frentech trading tools today. Um, you know, there's all these derivative projects that are, 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 and, and other tools to speculate on, et cetera. And that, that is because of composability. But it, th- those opportunities wouldn't be there unless they built a, an end-to-end experience that was incredibly compelling and, and generated a user base. So I think my, my current thinking is, and, you know, and and it's sort of informed a lot of what we've done at C-Club, is that you, you want to build something that is has the gravita- gravitational pull of the center of the universe. You want people to come into your world, you want to remove as much friction from people joining and participating and creating value and, and understanding the game as possible. And that the composability um, is both a safeguard in, in some sense, and that there's a sense of, of possibility for exit, but also, and probably more importantly, that there's a surface area for other people to, to build and evolve what's happening there. So I think... Still, it's powerful that there isn't this inherent lock-in necessarily in in, in any of these tools, and I think that gives uh, early experimenters a lot of uh, confidence and freedom to to participate and and understand the rules of the game. Um, and also, there's a lot of optionality that exists because of the composable nature of these tools.
2: Yeah, I, I very much agree. We actually had Dan Romero on yes, was it yesterday? Yesterday for our, our cohort conversation, and he he like very much recognizes he's building this decentralized. You know, social network, obviously, the long term vision is that there are many, many interfaces and products and there's this rich ecosystem of experiences built on top of it. But, you know, even he very much recognizes that for the next 10 years, like the success of of Farcast the protocol is going to be dependent on them building an incredible experience with Warpcast. And I was actually thinking about this same context uh, or the this, this same question in the context of the NFL earlier today, where. You know, for for a while, the NFL was very anti, like anti gambling. Recently, have completely opened their arms and welcomed it because, like, they've recognized that it it strengthens their core product so much to allow this this like rich social context and ultimately, like, its its interoperability, right? To to allow, you know, these countless kind of gambling fantasy products use your product to build, you know, cool experiences on on top and and you know further. Um, create value for consumers that care about your core product. So I think I think both is the ultimate question and if you can if you can get both um I think it has just like compounding effects on on the core experience.
0: Yeah, well it's also interesting because you know this comes back to a question that I have definitely asked Jess when he first came on the podcast. I don't remember if we touched on this, but it's always like this is a question that just feels like I never quite know where I stand but is always relevant which is like does Web3 necessitate, does any Web3 social experience basically need to have speculation? And is the financialization of everything inevitable? And to be honest, I used to be so hopeful that we could build Web3 experiences or on chain experiences that were not speculative, that did not include financialization. As I continue sort of building my own theses on the consumer experience on chain, I'm starting to think that perhaps it's just a a necessary evil. And, you know, there there are some contexts in which speculation is actually really helpful and all of these things. But like, I, I, this all comes to mind, because I think something like the NFL is a great example of an organization that kind of resisted that for a long time and has finally accepted it. Um, And maybe there are regulatory things around that as well. Like, I don't know exactly what the context is. But I think in a similar way, I kind of wonder if we just stopped trying to avoid it and just started embracing it, a la Frontech, Uh, We might actually get a lot further in our explorations of consumer apps because it's just like we're not we're not kidding ourselves anymore. We just recognize that that's going to be part of of what we're building on chain.
1: I'm not sure how, how answer
2: speculation over here.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how I answer that question last time, but generally my answer there is like yo i am pro speculation (laughs) i think that the challenge is that just pure rampant speculation is is not good or at least it's purely short term and i think like the work to do is to figure out how we can yeah push more of that speculation to being longer term um i think so so much of the, the speculation over so you know the ico boom or even or the nft boom was really short-term speculation i'm going to give the money that's going to go up in the sh- short term the, the you know the the likelihood that something meaningful can get built in, in six months that has enduring value is, is very low though obviously not impossible um and so really turning our attention from short-term speculative games into longer-term speculative games i think is is one of the the big unlocks but i, I think we speculate on the most important asset every single day, which is how and where we spend our time, and somebody investing in learning how to to improve their creative abilities, um, you know, and, and 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 or learning any other skill as a way of sort of positioning them to be better or to earn more, et cetera, is a form of speculation. And so, I think that I'm pro speculation, pro financial speculation, but that there's a ton of opportunity to uh, push that out into the, the longer term and and to recognize that. Um, you know, somebody coming together, you know, we get to talk to new teams all the time. These are folks who have an insight, have a dream. They are often underfunded or not funded at all, and they're working their butts off to, to make something that's a reality. That's incredibly valuable speculation. People are investing their, their time, their heartbeats, and, and their inspiration in a, in a goal. And so I think we should be figuring out how we can encourage more of that type of speculation. And it's probably the, the, the highest value use we can use of, of these tools, frankly, is to have people with inspiration and an opportunity um, investing their heartbeats into making something new happen. Um, and I think if we look at, at the teams that, that we're working with through this batch, there's very clearly a level of speculation, not not purely financial, uh, but that ultimately I think the the... the the value of those networks are going to be driven by their ability to uh, turn the the attention and interest they have today into more attention and interest in the future and, uh, and have their early believers, followers, fans get to participate in that.
2: Yeah. It's so hard to get people to care about your thing, right? There's, there's so much out there vying for your attention and the, the ease of speculation and financialization that, crypto allows for is like our fundamental advantage over Web2 products. So to just like not want to lean into that is like, you might as well just go build a Web2 product and compete in that world because you, you're really not tapping into like the core core benefit of, of going to market with, with a crypto product. And yeah, I think to Jess's point, and you know, we're seeing this with Tech not to just continue bringing it up, but like they they're, they're shipping like crazy. You know, like the, they're building alongside all of this intense usage. I'm getting like real value from using the product outside of just speculating on keys. Like there, there are rooms where people are talking about very interesting topics and I'm a part of conversations that I just haven't been a part of before with people I haven't been a part of before. So I think, yeah, of course needs to be backed up with kind of real, you know, less external sources of, of value, but just what a, what an amazing tool to get people to care about your thing.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, and I think like, ultimately, I I totally agree on the point around like, if you're shipping something on chain, and you're avoiding speculative experiences, because of whatever reason, like oftentimes, it's going to make more sense for you to go a web two route. And Mm -hmm. so I think as I'm personally coming to this conclusion, I'm also recognizing the ways in which it's it's influenced my thinking over the last couple of years. And it makes me wonder as an industry, like if cause I think, you know, people in the DeFi space are very, they embrace speculation because it's kind of seen as like a, a mechanism that you, you should be using. I, I wonder how much further along we would be in the on-chain social world if we had accepted this. And maybe some people did, but my sense is that a lot of people still, this doesn't really fit into like their utopian version of a better internet. And so it does make me wonder if we had accepted this sooner um, or if more people had accepted this sooner, how much further along we would be in terms of experimentation.
1: I think it's important to sort of, you know, we're sitting here today, it's September 2023, in the depths of a multi-year bear. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the world is very different today than if we zoomed out to 2022, right? And and the conversations around speculation, or at least with, with builders, are very different, because pure speculation, the the crazy momentum and attention and and sort of number go up type focus very clearly can be detrimental to building a long-term valuable thing you start to have you're building for the wrong interests. you're building for speculators rather than users um, so i think there's a lot of reason to not fully lean into the pure speculative hype when it is at its highest i think a lot of teams who went out with tokens at the top of the market are, are in a, a very challenging spot today because that that initial group of users and in, folks that were interested in it were there purely for the short term game and not for for the longer term game, and so, yeah, I, I think you know I, I wouldn't accuse our industry whatsoever of not leaning into speculation enough. I think uh, those who were thoughtful about managing momentum and attention around it probably leaned away from speculation at the height of the of the, the bull market because they saw the tenuous sort of circumstance they would end up in if if that was their entire world. Um, but I think you know, under underneath all of these are ownership narratives, um, you know, value creation narratives, coordination narratives that are all ultimately leading towards some sort of speculation. Um, but I think the, the hesitancy was around realizing that, oh, if I go step in, there's a, a big party going on over there that is pure chaos. I can go over there and be very popular for a short period of time, but it to be very hungover, might die. And <laughs> is that really where I want to spend my time? Or should I find a smaller group of people that maybe have a longer term mindset? Because I think they'll be here for longer and we'll end up in a better place. And I think, you know, that's definitely the path that that we've taken, the path that we've encouraged our teams to take, and I think ultimately will will prove to for for those teams that are able to to get to product market fit will prove to be a core reason why they're successful. Um, and also sitting here today in the bear market, I think leaning into some purely speculative game that might not be bigger than six months is also a very valid and interesting thing to go do, especially if it's pushing at a, at a new mechanism. So, I think having a, a hard and fast view a rule on speculation generally, is it's very difficult. There's a lot of types of it. We speculate all the time with more valuable assets than our ETH or USD that's in, in our wallets. Um, and it's, a, I think, a core part of the human experience that when tapped into wealth by builders can be incredibly, incredibly impactful.
0: I feel like there's also probably, in, in to that note, like maybe a two-part framework here, which is sort of One part of the framework is how are you creating long-term value? And the other part of the framework is how are you, you know, um, playing with mechanism design to, to sort of help spin the wheels of that, of that machine. Um, which of course in like, you know, to most people, (laughs) we're kind of reinventing the wheel on growth basically. (laughs) This is essentially like your, you know, your acquisition versus your actual value creation. Um, but I do think if you use that framework, um, speculation is a very bad way to create long-term sustainable value, but it's a very good way to grease the wheels of creating that thing. And I think for me personally, like it, when I think about what it means to embrace speculation, it's much more around greasing those wheels. And I think um, like villainizing anything that that leverages speculation just feels wrong. But I definitely think that there was a period of time where that was kind of my approach um, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited about what emerges in the on-chain social world coming out of this um, bear, where we are starting to see more people embrace speculation. And I'm sure people—I mean, of course, like social tokens were also speculative in a lot of ways. But it feels like speculation is now finally actually moving into something that's creating long-term sustainable value, maybe for users and creators. So we'll, we'll see.
1: No, I think fingers that, I think, crossed. I think that the the windows widened or the the potential so you know previously speculation in this purest form was like here's this token token's going to go up we'll all have fun just don't be the last one holding on to that token i think we're seeing a whole new crop of applications or, or products out there that are actually mixing sort of revenue share with an ownership narrative and i think there's a lot more opportunity here so you know core to friend tech is the fact that i get to earn trading fees if i'm building and creating on zora i get um, network fees from zora see that super rare if i'm a curator i get share of revenue there. So there's these, you know, if you look at DeFi as maybe being a little bit earlier, we've seen this trend of pure speculations around TVL and and token games into, oh, actually there's a number of teams that are generating real revenue, you know, and there's this sort of experimentation around how to distribute that revenue. I think we're seeing that happen in social right now, or in maybe the broader web three space where, there's there's ways to get paid for doing the things that I'm doing, which is is you know maybe revenue or, or profit share, and then there is also this opportunity to participate in in the network, the governance, the broader ownership narratives that exist there. And I think that is a very interesting one. I think Joshy shared a tweet from Jesse Walden the other day that was kind of talking in around this. And I think um, teams would be, yeah do well to focus on thinking about how value moves through their system, how they can give their, their members, users, you know, a portion of that and use the, the almost like cash flow as as a, as a, as a carrot here, not just the promise of this network being valuable in the future. I think my current thinking is that it's the combination between those two things that will ultimately lead to sustainable, valuable networks in, in this category and even in De- in DeFi.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, as we close out, I want to hear quick predictions for what's happening in the next, let's say, two or three years for on-chain social. Like, everything goes well, we absolutely kill it, adoption for things like friend tech maybe stays. Like, what does on-chain social look like in two to three years?
1: This is where I stay silent. And yeah, see what if Josh it, can tell us what the answer is. is.
2: Yeah, what does it what does it broadly look like? Is a tough question. I think we're going to see we're just going to see hopefully hundreds, hopefully thousands of of very you know unique and, and different on chain social experiences that you know millions of people are plugged into in different ways. I think one one theme that I'm generally excited about is the like emergence of some of these old crypto narratives that now make a lot more sense with this current stack of this this new stack that we have. So, you know, TCRs, I think prediction markets that aren't called prediction markets, but these kind of things that like everyone, you know, five years ago thought were going to be the killer use cases of crypto coming back and packaged up in just like much more consumer friendly ways with more consumer friendly narratives using this, these UX unlocks that we have, uh, we now have, I think are going to be,
1: gonna be something interesting to watch. For me, I think there's two things. One, I think I think crypto will have its consumer moment um in, in the same way that the in a similar way that sort of, I guess, social media had had its moments, but you know, the, the internet bandwidth, um, better phones, etc., created this new type of way of creating with folks, and it led to the TikToks, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. Um, I think we'll see something like that in crypto. I'd, I'd frame it up as like a new game to go play. If we look at social media as a game to go play around attention, I think there's new games to play around value creation and sort of the distribution of, of this network value. So I think things like friend tech, but maybe bigger or easier to be a part of, or, um, you know, running at different, different segments. I, I think, we'll, I mean, I know we will see a, a number of experiments in that direction. And I think there's a lot of juice there to, to explore with, I think, you know, if we just zoom out though, and, and look at the overall shift in the media landscape over, you know, you know, definitely over 30 years, but even over the last 10 years, we've really moved away from, you know, brands and, and companies being like the core drivers of culture and, and, Earners of attention into individuals, or or maybe more niche brands um, made up of individuals, and so I think that is a trend that is going to continue. It's just like the, fr- the these tools today in social media fragment attention very effectively around um, you know people that we trust or that we admire or that just do weird things and capture our attention. So I, I think crypto tools, you know, the new mechanisms that actually make it. Easy and safe for people who have large amounts of attention to start to meaningfully engage in this space. I think is a huge opportunity. We are working with a team called Mint Stars that is doing this in in the uh, adult content industry, solving a number of the challenges that exist around uh, payments, um, but also creating a new dynamic for creators to come in and and you know create using NFTs, using crypto in a way that doesn't just purely lead into like some of the more negative aspects of of what we saw happening with influencers stepping into crypto in 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 its sort of more recent state Um, so i think like these these networks these crypto networks paired with people who have captured and grown and continue to to nurture attention are going to be really huge opportunities and it's just going to require us to um, design mechanisms much in the way that frentech has designed a mechanism that very close clearly creates bounds around how you should participate in it and what the rules of the game are, um, that are probably even a step, uh, more abstracted away than Frontech is, and can be approached by, uh, by a Mr. Beast, you know, what does it take for Mr. Beast to have, um, his, his audience and his attention represented on chain in some way, um, probably won't start off with him, but I think this next crop of, of creators utilizing these tools, there's a, a ton of room to run there.
2: You talk about attention networks. I didn't
1: say that whatsoever. I don't even know what that
2: is. <laughs> Do you?
0: The alpha leak is here. Yes, we need constraints, basically. The, the We need constraints to and opinionated applications, frankly, I think, ultimately, for people to be able to engage in these things.
1: I think we have them, and we're going to see much more of them.
0: Yes. Um, well, this was so wonderful. Where can people check out cohort six of Seed Club and follow the two of you, and maybe even, you know, eventually see the attention network well, thesis come to fruition?
1: So, we've this, this is our opportunity to shill, which I'm very excited. So, pro shill, shill, pro speculation, pro shill, and in, in the bear market of 2023, <laughs> let's go. Um, you know, so. We have a Demo Day coming up uh, on the 28th of September. Um, We are calling it the event because Demo Day felt so not right. If you've been to a C-Club demo day in the past, you know that it doesn't look at all like a traditional accelerator demo day. Um, and also, I think because of where we're at and the types of teams we're working with and the type of network we are, the goal isn't purely just to get investors into the room and and get them to invest in teams. So there's definitely opportunities for that. Um, so we're really excited to to create this platform, an event, an experience that's going to um both be valuable for our teams to launch into, but also hopefully create some inspiration for folks that are maybe the next wave of builders in the space. So the event is on September 28th. It will be unhinged. It won't feel like most demo days out there. Um, if you've been to a past C-Club demo day, it'll be more like that, but kind of cooler. We have over 1,100 people RSVP'd right now, which is by far our biggest uh, event yet in for around our demo days, and, and uh, we still have a week or so of, of promo to go just very excited to get people if if you're at all interested in this space this is an opportunity to come together see what's new what's next throw some gifts in the chat and uh, get inspired I think by what these really amazing human beings have been investing a lot of their their heartbeats into over the last three months or longer so that's what you should come to come to the event we have had an issue with bots on the event list and so we deployed some very very cutting edge technology that we're calling referral tech it is so clearly not a ripoff of Frentech whatsoever. It's not like we just copied their screens over or, or sort of referral system whatsoever. This is net new. Um, and also we <laughs> deployed a series of incredibly complicated CAPTCHAs to ensure that you're a human being. So uh, those are peace node specials. You will probably want to go sign up for the list RSVP for the event just so you can skip through some of these CAPTCHAs because they are... Quite there lovely, you. quite lovely. I and saw some
0: there. screenshots of captures on Crypto Twitter, and I was loving what was going on. The Peace oh. Note special is simply never bad. That's kind of the, that's what I've learned.
2: It doesn't miss. It Absolutely doesn't. does not miss. So seedclub.xyz/slash/the/event. Seed oh yeah, that's where you can have all that fun. Yeah.
1: And I think Josh Love is just a criminally underfollowed human being on Twitter, and so you should go follow Josh. Don't even think about following me. What's your what's your handle, Josh? You already do.
0: Actually unfollow Jess and then follow Josh (laughs) instead if you're worried about how many people you follow.
1: DM him a screenshot so he can rub it in and then that'll be good. Perfect. That's That's actually how you
0: get for free into Josh's friend tech room is you just unfollow (laughs) Jess and follow Josh instead on Twitter, and then he will airdrop you ETH to go buy his friend tech shares.
2: Wouldn't it be great if you got (laughs) keys that you could give away when you signed out? Anyways. Uh, yeah, it's my name, Josh. Josh Cornelius, without any vowels, J S H C R N L S. Maybe that's the issue. I, did, I, did in. I did an easier. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Right.
0: And Jess is that Should tall guy? That. We already know. We got it. Is that tall no.
2: Guy? We
0: know. No questions. They will also be linked in the show notes. Um, Josh and Jess, always so fun to have you guys on the pod. Um, always appreciate your thinking around consumer. I think you, Seed Club, is just always you know sort of on the pulse of what's going on. So, always fun to jam. Glad we got to, to chat all things, mostly friend tech, but other things too. This is and the reality. maybe we'll have you too. on again. Yes. <laughs> maybe we'll have you guys on again to talk uh, attention
1: networks. That well, I the think sound. we'll send you an early draft, Chase, so you can pick it apart yeah, and sure. uh, help us get to something meaningful.
0: Love it. Cool. All right. Until Appreciate next you. time. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thanks,
1: Chase.